This is episode 103 of the Rising Man podcast with Traver Bohm. The greatest step towards a life of simplicity is to learn to let go. Happy New Year, fam. Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. Gearing up for a powerful, powerful year over here. I'm your host, Jetty Azuma. Funny how the turning of calendar can cause so many of us to reflect. Literally across the world, the New Year's resolution is a household phrase that we have. It's a definitive transition that inspires us to review our lives in one way or another. And oftentimes we commit to change. But I was thinking about this and I know that the nature of this podcast and the Rising Man message and what we do demands that we as men look at our relationship with commitment. So I thought I'd start off today by asking, what is your relationship with commitment? How much weight does your word carry with others? And most importantly, with yourself. Think on that. Really reflect on that. What is your relationship with commitment? How do you hold it? How powerful are the words? that you say, the words that you put out into the world, and how will you raise your game so that by January 1st, 2021, your word, your values, your actions carry more weight, more influence in your life. This is the work. This is the time. Just like any other day, every day is a good opportunity to raise your game, take it to another level. So many changes and exciting upgrades coming to the Rising Man movement. I've been mentioning them for the past couple of weeks, but here's another quick breakdown for you. All of our Rising Man content, events, and information are now being housed at risingman.org. So that includes podcast downloads, all the information relative to each episode, anything else Rising Man related, you're going to head over to risingman.org from now on. It's a work in progress, so hang in there with us, but all of our information is there. So if you're a man without a men's circle and you want to jump into 2020 with a support of brothers who are in the work with you, then wait no longer. Join us in the Rising Man Fire Circle for just $67 a month and get access to your own men's team, monthly training calls with me, guest presenters, and so much more. Also, if you're feeling the call to ceremonially mark your passage into manhood, clarify your purpose, and create a lifelong bond with nine other men, consider heading out with us to the desert to fast for four days. Our program is called Compass, and there's more information and a link to apply over at risingman.org. Love to see you guys out there. And we're almost full up. So you got to act fast if you want to get in there, fellas. All right. My guest for today is Mr. Traver Bohm. He's the author of Today I Rise as well as Man Uncivilized. He's a two-time TEDx speaker and men's coach and the founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement, redefining the way around the globe, experience their masculinity by uniquely blending both the primal masculine with the divine. Drawing upon an eclectic background ranging from professional bodyguarding and mixed martial arts to traditional Chinese medicine and meditation, Traver also teaches people to skillfully use the inevitable pain of their lives as fuel for growth and positive change. In 2016, after losing a pregnancy, his marriage and his business partnership all within days of each other, he created a radical social experiment and spent the next 12 months as if it were his last year to live, aptly naming it the Year to Live Project. A few of the highlights of the year include volunteering with the dying as a hospice worker, spending 28 days in complete isolation and pitch black darkness in Guatemala, living in the frigid Utah wilderness for a month with only a knife, a water bottle, and a blanket. When not teaching or radically shifting the way men experience their masculinity, Traver can be found chewing on his thumbnail in front of his laptop, chasing surf around the globe, or being reminded that yoga is a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> An amazing brother coming on here today. In this episode, we discussed asking ourselves, what am I building instead of why am I here? The value of clarity and specificity when it comes to designing our lives. Boys react to trauma and take responsibility 
responsibility for their wounding, whereas men take responsibility for all of it. We discussed how when you take over all of your personal expenses and really begin taking care of yourself, that this is sort of a modern rite of passage for men that most of us can relate to. We discussed the confronting reality of still being dependent on our mothers and in the wise words of Michaela Bohm, are you still attached to your mother's tit? Confronting one. If we are not letting shame or feeling bad for ourselves get in the way of changing our reality. We discussed the practice of being able to receive criticism and move forward without letting it bring us down. How many of you guys out there feel those harsh words of critics, the par your parents still in your head telling you that you're not enough, etc., etc. Being able to move forward in spite of that. We also discussed something I think is really important, the magic bullet. How this consumer-driven mindset that makes us believe paying for something is going to lead to the outcome. So in this personal development movement that if I pay for the course that I'm magically going to be transformed overnight and then I can bypass doing the hard work. It's a big topic here. I really liked what Traver had to say about this one. And simplifying our idea of what living as a man with purpose means. Not everybody needs to be a superhero that influences the masses, but the ordinary superheroes who take care of their family and provide safety and security for the ones they love. That's the most noble journey that any of us could live, that any of us could walk. So this and so much more, without further ado, Traver Bohm. All right, all you rising men out there, I got another amazing man joining me today on the show, my brother, Traver Baum, coming in from all the way up in Vancouver right now is where you're at, That's right? That's right. And then, oddly enough, used to live right, probably down the street from you in Santa Barbara. I know, which, man. Here's how the world has taken us, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is cool because we met and I had no idea that you were a Santa Barbarian in a, in a former <laughs> life, but here you are, man. Yeah. Tromsing around the world yeah. and Vancouver's holding you down right now. Listen, man, let's, let's jump right into it. One of the things sure. I'm most excited about with you and, and we'll, we'll talk about your book and what an uncivilized male is in this world and this day and age. But I, I told you before we pressed record that you carry this grounded, anchored, simple version of the masculine that really speaks to some people. Maybe not yeah. everybody, but I think right. at the very least is valuable to be in this conversation where so much of men's work that I've seen is men leaning on their feelings and sharing because they're, mm. we, we forgot how to do that at some point. Right, right, right. Yeah. We never got taught how to do that or even worse. We got shamed out of doing that. Mm -hmm. But I think the, one of the challenges with the direction the men's movement's going now is that the pendulum has swung so far or has, you know, it's, it's been necessary to swing, but it's swung so far that guys think that like blurting out everything that they're feeling and crying every day and falling apart and ripping their wounds open, that's men's work. And they forget that there's still basics, that, you know, taking care of your body, holding down a really good job, being successful in the ways in the world, in the on earth, are still things that guys are really, really interested in. You know, I did a, a post a couple weeks back, Jetty, on like, do you know what killed the the warrior, the king, the lover, and the magician? Mm -hmm. And it was heart disease. Hmm. And I got a lot of kickback from that, from the spiritual community. We're like, are you upset with, with yogis? I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not upset with anybody, hmm. but no matter how evolved you are, if you die of heart disease, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. <laughs> so, like, eat some vegetables. I had some guys that were like horribly angry at me. Like, this is the worst thing you ever, like, the post was about eating more vegetables. If you want to take that and run with it and get super pissed, yeah. go for it. But please, before you, before or after you do that, eat some fucking vegetables. Just so I know. That you, <laughs> Be pissed while you're eating your vegetables, but yeah. do it. That's what it is. And eat your broccoli. Like, go for it. <laughs> well, and that's, I, I always look at that and I say, well, what is, what is causing somebody to be triggered by that? 
You know, if, if it's if it's if it's that confronting of a question or a comment that it makes you up in arms to the point where you write a message. I mean, I'm, I've gotten them myself. I'm, I know you have. We were just sure. talking about it before. When somebody <laughs> shoots you a message, they don't even introduce themselves. They say, what did this mean? Why did you right. post this? You're like, right, OK, right, right. something's going it's on here for this person. Straight up reaction. Just yeah. like they're just fuming and typing away. Like, how could you do this? How could you do this? I think a lot of the reason is that guys have seen bypass as an option Mm. where it's like, Oh, you're in pain. Oh, your life's not the way you want it. Oh, it didn't turn out exactly how you hoped it did. You can walk away from fixing that and kind of go on this deeper, more into more emotional path. Mm. It's like, Hey, I don't have to have a job. I don't have to be successful in the world. I'm in touch with my feelings. Mm. I've bypassed my humanity. And I, I just, you see it with the spiritual world a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm, I'm more evolved than money. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you just don't know how to make any. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. unless you've made a lot of money, if you've made a lot of money, you're allowed to evolve past money. Mm-hmm. If you haven't made money, then you're not allowed to evolve past it. Yeah. You got to fucking figure out, can you make money first? Oh, I can. Cool. Now I can say that I don't need it. So yeah. I think that's what really triggered guys on it was also a lot of people are lazy. Mm-hmm. And eating well and taking care of their bodies is like, Oh shit. I actually have to do that. <laughs> Something else huh. I got to do. <laughs> this yeah. is one more thing I got to do. Yeah. yeah. I was really surprised by how inflamed some of the comments were. Well, it's, and it's fascinating too, man. And after I say this, I want to take a half step back. Cause there's a question sure. I forgot to ask you, but when we look at the rest of the natural world in the animal kingdom, we look at all other mammals, their work to rest ratio is mm-hmm. like 90% to 10%, 90% mm-hmm. rest, 10% work. And mm-hmm you know, if the modern human, let's say the modern Western male is more like a 75 or 80% work, right. 20 to 25% rest, which I'm just a natural kind of guy. So I look at that and I say, huh, is the rest of the animal kingdom got it all fucked up and backwards? Or is there something that we're doing? Mm. Number one. And number mm. two is that, does that explain why there's not this inherent motivation to go beyond what's necessary because that's that's a lot of what we use to distinguish a man who's willing to go the extra mile and do whatever it takes is well how much of your blood sweat and tears will you put into this so right i wonder what your thoughts and perspectives are on that Mm. i think most guys if we're talking men specifically have lost the idea get to have ownership of their own vision right so one of the first questions i ask people that work with me and i talk with or in the book is what are you building like, what is it that you're building? What is, why are, and it's not, why are you here? Because why are you here is this like bigger philosophical, spiritual God and you question. But what are you building while you are here? Mm-hmm. And, and that question, Jetty, has stumped guys. Mm. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, just, I go to work and, and I, um, I have some friends and I have this hobby. It's like, okay, let's take that question one step deeper. What do you foresee as the vision for your, your little corner of the world? down to how do you want your house? How do you want your body? How do you want your your paycheck? How do you want your bank account? How do you want your relationship? What are, I see art behind you. Did you choose the art that's behind you on the wall? Or did it just, is that what was there when you moved in? Mm-hmm. Like are, how, how, much act, how much energy are you putting to move away from default mm-hmm. and go to specification, to go to by design? How are you designing your little world? Mm. And that question, like literally people stare at me like, <laughs> uh, because it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember getting challenged, Jetty. This was a coach that I had a couple years ago that would go 445 on a Friday. This was a business coach. He would send out a message to all of us. How much money can you make in the next 15 minutes? 
because most of us at four o'clock on Friday, I work for myself, you know, I'm like four o'clock time to, I'm calling it, calling it a day. Mm -hmm. You'd be like for the last 15 minutes of the work week, how much money can you make? And it wasn't just about making money. The point was to see, okay, at a time when most people are checking out, if I double down on checking in, what is the result I can get from that? Mm. And then on Monday, we'd chime in and we'd have guys be like, I made $3,000 in that 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I sold something. I got hired to do something. I did this for my business and it did that. Right. And so I throw that back into your answer of a lot of guys are just following along mm-hmm. and don't feel inspired because they don't, they don't think they get to have ownership over their little corner of the world. And yeah, you know, if you are an elementary school teacher, you're not going to make an extra three grand in the last 15 minutes on a Friday, mm-hmm. but you can do something else about your world. I've challenged guys on like a Sunday morning, like you have an hour. How can you make your life better in the next hour? Whether that's folding laundry, whether that's like washing your car, whether that's going to get a haircut, whether that's working on your internet funnel, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. But what can you do to take the ownership of the design? So that's how I'd, that's how I'd answer the question. Yeah, and I like that because the, the, the money piece is, is easy to see, right? 15 yeah. minutes, like the, even, even the immediate response from the brain is like 15 minutes. Well, who's, what am I going to do in 15 minutes, right? But even just looking at that as impact, how can I, how can I create impact for myself or for other folks in the next 15 minutes? Like you said, the elementary school teacher, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the clock, counting down the minutes, what can you do with those next 15 minutes that might actually change the course of a young student's life? hundred you know, percent. Everyone's had that conversation with somebody that has shifted courses. So that's a great reminder, man. And, and let's let, yeah, let's let yeah, that be a, a leverage point back to the question sure. to give us some context. Cause you talk about an uncivilized man. I'm wondering yeah. what your distinction between a boy and a man is. Mm, that's a great question. I think it's going to come down to ownership. If I go back to like what we were talking about a few minutes ago, that for a boy on some level, he's always being led, mm. right? Like as a boy, I, I didn't get to make a lot of choices. I didn't get to choose where I lived. Didn't get to choose the car my parents drove, the house I lived in. I had to go to school. I couldn't not go to school. I was, people were leading me. Mm. And so at some point there's this process or initiation or their uh, point from which on you are responsible for your own leadership. Mm-hmm. So I, I say a man is always engaged in, the, in these two questions. Am I leading or being led? Both are fine as long as they're conscious. Mm. As long as you know, like, hey, I'm actually, I'm giving up leadership position in this case, mm. whether that's in a partnership, in a business, in, a, in life, to the divine, to whatever. I'm, I'm letting go and surrendering leadership or I'm engaging in leadership. That's the difference, I think, between a boy and a man. That's part one. Part two is a man is willing to go back and look at his wounding and go, okay, what am I going to do to heal from this, from whatever trauma I've had? And everybody's had some trauma. It doesn't have to be acute. What am I doing about that so that I'm not putting that trauma back into the world? Mm. So a boy is still reactive to the trauma, like just like, you know, walks around and like breaks shit because he's angry. Mm-hmm. isn't leading, like isn't making this, the decisions of where he wants his life to go. A mm-hmm. man is responsible for his life and more importantly, responsible for his trauma and his wounding. That's awesome, man. I mean, I've asked this question over a hundred times of different men now. 
And yeah. I think you may be the first person to bring up that second part of going back mm-hmm. to the wounds, examining the wounds. Where did they come from in the first place? What is the right. impact that those wounds have had on my life since then, since I received yeah. them? Why have I not been willing to look at them? Why have I not dug them open to expose them for healing all over again? And I think that that's a big part of this revolution in men's work or re-ignition yeah. of men's work is realizing, oh, yeah. One of the big linchpins in all this is that we haven't been examining the wounds and the traumas that we've had in our lives. We've done that however many generations it's been of the bravado machismo, yeah. puff up your chest and, and tough your way through it without ever speaking to it and breathing into it. Jenny, what's your definition? Uh, it's a lot about ownership and responsibility is what it comes okay. to for me. I also think that a boy looks at how the world can be of service to him versus mm. how he can be of service to the world. Wow. Yeah, that's a great distinction. You're right. And it comes down to, I imagine that he's so used to, like you have parents, you have family that take care. Everyone's taking care of you for the most part. And you're not really contributing. Your job is just to kind of show up and get taken care of. That's a really interesting. Uh, thanks for adding that. That's for me what it always comes back to is the orientation. Because I remember for me, I never experienced that crossing the line process where I actually felt like yesterday I was a boy and today I, w- and today I am a man. For me, it happened in stages and segments of my growth and evolution. It, it's In thinking about it, there was many different thresholds I crossed before I finally woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm fully responsible for myself, all of my actions, all of my decisions, my finances. Mm-hmm. One of those thresholds was when I finally started paying for my cell phone bill. That was, that was like the that was like the last cord that I had tethered yeah, yeah, to my yeah. parents was, hey, we're on the family plan. Oh, yeah. yeah right, no, no. Right, it's right. like, you know, next extra 20 bucks a month. No worries. You know, we'll pay it. Right. And taking that over and you know, paying whatever it was, a hundred bucks to have my own cell phone bill was one of the last cords that needed to be cut. But when I did that, I felt different. It's Mm -hmm. like, wow, I'm actually on my own out here. Mm -hmm. I'm not tethered to my parents. I'm not stuck to the umbilical cord anymore. And, you know, I don't know if we want to go into this direction, but I think that's one of the challenges a lot of guys have, especially a lot of guys who are listening to mm-hmm. this podcast is there's, it's still, it's so tempting and so easy to still be stuck and tethered to people that will take care of us because it's what they learned how to do and how they right. oriented and arranged their lives and just parenting, but also caretaking mm-hmm. and making things easy on the people that we love. And I, for me, that goes against my version of becoming a man. Mm. I even remember that from a business standpoint, having guys that early on when I, when I had a gym in Santa Barbara, like trading for a lot of stuff, like, oh, we'll give you a free membership if you clean the floors and, and clean the bathroom. And then at some point, the business came to, to get big enough and successful enough where we had to say, everybody who works for us needs to be fireable, meaning we have to pay them because if they're not fireable and it's just this friendly deal, then if they don't do what they're supposed to do, then it's, it's kind of okay because we don't have the same contract. Mm. So I think when you're in full ownership, like you said, you're paying for everything. It's kind of the full contract with the world. Like, okay, this is an even exchange. It's monetary. If it doesn't work, someone's going to get fired. That's a big deal. I will now show up in a way that actually has professionalism around it. Yeah. So I agree too, that for a lot of guys, it's, it's, they haven't really been kicked out of the nest. Mm. If you listen to Michaela Bohm, she's like super brutal about it. She's like, I can always tell when a guy's still attached to his mother's tit. Mm. I remember hearing that and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's, That's confronting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <seriously. laughs> and 
it's super true right of like how many guys haven't fully awoken and taken care of themselves aren't paying for stuff aren't like oh i have to make all of these decisions myself mm-hmm. right yeah. yes we have parents that we can defer to we have people we, we have mentors mm-hmm. but taking full ownership like a hundred percent radical ownership i think is the the hardest or one of the hardest but it comes with this sense that is a man it, it is maturity Mm-hmm. especially for a man going, yep, uh, I fucking got this. And the most successful guys I know, Jetty, guys that are running, you know, billion dollar companies, they are responsible for, for so much shit. Mm-hmm. And they're responsible on every level. There's like no part of their lives. They're like, eh, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I'll let it slide. Yeah. I, I remember looking at a couple of them being like, Jesus, you have such a capacity mm-hmm. for responsibility that I still don't have yet. I don't have a $10 million company with 50 employees or let alone a billion dollar company with 3000 employees and all the responsibility that comes down the line from that. I don't have, you have it, you have kids, mm-hmm. right? Like there's something in you that's different than in me where I can go, ah, I'm going to go to Vancouver and fuck off for a month and you know, like <laughs> work when I want and not work when I want. That's not an option when you wake up in the morning and go, hmm, two little mouths to feed. One of whom just climbed on me and is now jumping up and down on my chest. Uh. <laughs> you got it, man. It illustrated the picture of my morning this morning. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's such a great point that you bring up because the man who runs the billion dollar company, at that point, its responsibility is so embodied. It's yeah. almost as though you've done it. He's done it for so long. He doesn't know how else to be other than to take responsibility. And to me, that's really someone who's rooted in their masculine that in the purest mm-hmm. sense of the word, in the providership, in the mm-hmm. protectorship, mm-hmm. being one who takes care of others and is in service to others. To me, that's like the essential male, mm-hmm. the essential man. And I also know that that confronting thing you said, I, forget, I think you said, it was, was it Michaela Baum? Was it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Same last name as me, but we're not related. Not related, right? She's an amazing, amazing teacher. Right. And there's no bullshit, like in the spiritual world, mm-hmm. but one drops, F, drops F-bombs like constantly when she's talking, <laughs> so I love her. Of course And it's just do. like no bullshit whatsoever. Right. So for a guy to hear that and to review and assess himself as, wow, I'm still attached to my mom's tit. Mm -hmm. The next thing that immediately enters is typically some sort of shame. Mm -hmm. I I am, I am less than this, the narrative that so many of us have experienced in our lifetimes. And I want to speak to the the way that we can shift our way out of that, because Mm -hmm. I think also part of my definition or, or profile of a man is one who can take the harshest confronting mirror, Mm -hmm. let it sting because mm-hmm. that makes that imprint, that impression that for the learning to come through, but then also shift into solution mode. Because mm-hmm. there's this, I, I see it all the time with guys that I'm working with. Maybe they're open to acknowledging there's something that they haven't been doing. They've been out of integrity, but then they get stuck and mired in this place of feeling bad for themselves, this martyrdom, this like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit, falling on their mm-hmm. own sword. Mm-hmm. And that's also not constructive either. Right. You said it. It's coming to that that criticism with a sense of, I'm criticizing your patterns. Mm -hmm. I'm criticizing your action steps. I'm not criticizing you like, hey, you are less than me because you do this thing and I don't. Mm -hmm. That's not it. And so for guys to really take their egos out and say, all right, if I took my ego out and threw it on the back shelf and went, okay, I'm just getting a snapshot of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm answering this question. What's true for me right now is, and I tell guys that I work with, if I take a snapshot of your, just right now, of your finances, your relationship, your body, 
your spiritual practice, your habits. It's just an indication of one, your wounding, two, the, the, the habits that you have, three, and some dif- deficiencies. Where are you not leading? Oh, you have $25,000 in credit card debt and you don't know how you're going to pay it off. Okay. There's nothing wrong with having the debt. Mm-hmm. The challenge is that you magically think that the universe is going to come along and somehow take care of that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I have this, it sucks. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about how I got it, but I know that I can take all the energy that I have to shame myself, to feel like shit, to call myself names and to put myself down. I can take that same energy and I can shift it over to the solution side and say, okay, what can I do right now? And then here's the beauty of the beautiful piece is start taking action, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to feel like shit about yourself and feel really down if you're even taking the smallest steps, mm-hmm. like just the smallest steps, then at least you're in the game. You're in the fucking fight. You're mm-hmm. in the ring. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting on the sidelines going, oh man, looks really scary in there. Yep. You're going to get in there. You're going to get bopped in the face. You're going to get a bloody nose. You're also going to get to hit back. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay, now it's real as mm-hmm. opposed to this, just this pontification that of course leads to negative emotion and feeling like shit about ourselves. Yeah. That in itself is an art to be able to separate ourselves from the emotion. Cause I, I don't believe that emotion is something that we have control over. Emotion happens to us, but the mm-hmm. moment that we recognize I'm, I've got some big emotions coming up around this and, yeah. and they were, they grabbed the wheel and they were driving my bus for a little bit when I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Now I can go back and grab the wheel and get back into that solution mode, that solution mindset, that action orientation that oftentimes is the remedy that as, as, yeah. as I found it to be. And so, uh, you know, thinking of being in action there, there's not actually a lot of room for emotion. You know, when you're in the fight, there's a, there can be a lot of emotion leading up to a fight, but when you're in the ring, there's not a, not a lot of room for emotion. It, things are happening so quickly that yeah. a lot of that is dissipated. And then at the on the other side of it, whether whether you won or you lost, you're still alive. You, you know, yeah. you made it to the through the gauntlet. Usually yeah. you feel great. <laughs> it's yeah, like at yeah, least yeah. I did something. At least it, I went in there and got my it. ass kicked. Yeah. It was real. That's it. It's like it was real as opposed to just this pontification. And one of the reasons I moved to SB, this is such a, I'll, I'll wrap up a long story short. I read this great book called The Gift of Fear mm. by a guy named Gavin De Becker. And it was a like multi, multi, multi-week New York Times bestseller. And it, it was about protection. It was about intuition. And one of the main tenets of the book was if you fear something, it's not happening. Mm. Right? If I'm afraid someone may break into my house, no one's breaking into my house. Mm. If they're breaking into my house and I either have a different set of fears or I'm reacting to that thing, I'm no longer afraid someone's going to break into my house. Now I'm tussling with them. Hopefully now I'm like dropping elbows on their face and (laughs) strangling them. But that's the beauty of, I think a lot of guys get stuck in the the pre-action step Mm. and the what ifs, what if it doesn't work out? What, and it's all the what ifs, right? One of my favorite what ifs, my old business partner used to say, stop worrying about the donkey going blind and just load the cart. (laughs) I would be like, oh, you motherfucker. You're right. 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 Like, let's get some shit going. Right. And for for guys, we're we're action oriented, Mm -hmm. right? Do something. The small, in 15, what can you do in 15 minutes to remedy this situation? Right. You know, with debt, I would have all guys like, have you called the credit card company? Have you asked them, will they hold your monthly APR or like, will they drop it for six months? Will they do something? And lo and behold, you know, eight out of 10 times the company's willing to work with them, but it's not about the company being willing to work with them. It's about them doing something 
mm-hmm. on their own behalf when they thought they were hopeless 35 minutes before. That shift starts the greatest force in, in all human action, which is momentum, right? And it's like you said, it's hard to feel like shit when you have momentum. Absolutely. It's hard to feel down on yourself. You're like, wow, that's three good things that just happened in a row. Why did they happen? Because I did some shit about it. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and also when option A doesn't work, when you call the credit card companies, and you get a no those two out of 10 times or whatever it is that you move right to the next one because mm-hmm. it's easy to, to say, get all this energy up and say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take action. And you make 10 phone calls and all of them are no's. And you're like, oh, fuck, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. See, this is why I didn't do it in the first place. Here I am, blah, 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 blah. And you go back into your, you know, cold, dark little sinkhole. It's like, <laughs> nah, man, get back on the fucking horse and just keep firing away. And I speak about it very casually and humorously because it's there's no point in it being really heavy or dark, but it's it's not an easy thing to do yeah. that. Like like everything we're talking about, it's not easy to do these things, but it's a practice and so it's it's a skill set that you develop over time is that resilience and just bypassing the emotions and moving right into the action to move forward. I love the word that you use. It's a practice. I hope guys picked up on that. That this isn't like operating in this way just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time someone made a really negative comment on an article that I wrote. I had written an article, dude, on forgiveness. <laughs> someone was like, you were the worst writer I've ever read. This is the worst shit I've ever, like, just <laughs> laid into the article. And I called my buddy, you know, because for a second I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. This is awful. Mm-hmm. And I called my buddy who's actually up here in Vancouver. And he was like, man, I wish more people hated my writing. <laughs> it shifted me away from like, Oh, like little e- sad Eeyore. Right. So like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like fuck this guy. Uh-huh. And you're right. If no one hates it, no one loves it. Mm. But now when I get negative comments on any work, I'm like, man, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But it was a practice, right? right? It wasn't just like, Oh, I woke up enlightened one day and don't, don't mind criticism. Mm-hmm. No, I needed that guy to reinforce it. And now some other people to reinforce it. And they go, oh yeah, this is the fourth time this happened. I lived through it. Didn't wake up the next day with like, no, I'm dead. Someone <laughs> didn't like writing. Yeah, man. I, I hope you guys picked up on that word that all of actualization, leadership, consciousness, self-development is a fucking practice. No different than I didn't show up at Paragon and SB and be like, okay, uh, I'm here. So now I can do jujitsu. <laughs> they were like, nope, get on the mat, get choked. Nope, yeah. get on the mat, get choked. Nope, yeah. get on. Oh, you get, get choked for six months. Oh, get choked <laughs> for five years. Oh, now you're semi good at this. Oh, that's right. Hard shit takes practice and getting choked. I love that, man. Yeah. It's like sometimes a lot of people, they sign up for these um, online programs, right? Now we're in this online era and everybody's got a personal development program online. And it's like, well, I paid my, I paid my, you know, $3,000 for my 12 week program. Where's my shift? Where's my change? It's like, well, what did you actually do? Did you put boots on the ground? Have you just been sitting down at your computer waiting for something to happen? And it's, it's harsh. Yes. It's confronting. Yes. But simply because sometimes you need to hear that, man. Sometimes you got to actually look at what part of you thought that by paying 3000 bucks that everything was going to change. Dude, you know how many times I've had that actual conversation with, I'll have it with clients up front. Mm Mm-hmm. Say, here's the deal. Here's what part of your brain wants to happen. Part of your brain wants to get the result simply by paying me. Mm-hmm. You know how I know that? Because I remember having a coach three years ago and being really frustrated a month into our work when I didn't get the result. And he goes, well, how much of the shit I told you to do have you done? 
I was like, well, not that much. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? And I was like, not that much. Like, oh, so you thought just by paying me, your business would miraculously change. I was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now I get to throw that shit back on other people. Right. But it's so true. There is a part of us that goes, oh, wearing the t-shirt is going to give me the skill. Mm-hmm. Oh, joining the gym is suddenly going to change my body. Right. No, you still got to lift the weights. You still got to put the reps in. Yeah. 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 There's something fascinating about us. It's just like, hey, Jetty, I, I paid yeah. you. Yeah. Consumerism, man. And, and that's the thing is that mentorship and coaching, personal development to me, it's so funny that it's in a service industry that's based on capitalism and, and consumerism because it it's placed right alongside everything else that goes on a budget, isn't it? I go to the grocery store, I pay $30, I get food. Mm-hmm. I go to the barber, I pay 20 bucks, I get my hair cut. Mm-hmm. It's like a very, very simple exchange where I did this, so I should get this, an expectation that's created by this consumerism practice that we have. So of course it's ingrained. I pay $3,000. You promised me on your video and in your 60 minute webinar that I would get this. And it's like, well, hold on a second. This isn't how life works. This isn't going grocery shopping. (laughs) This is actually polishing some skills that you need to develop in your life that normally this would be like an apprenticeship. Right. Normally this would be five to 12, 13, 14, 15 years of learning by, by witnessing and modeling and taking in yourself. Yeah, for sure. And the first two years would be like, keep, keep sweeping the floor. Yep. And you're like, fuck, I don't want to pay $3,000. All you did was make me clean your house. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of ironic and funny. And I do think that it fits in and there's a place for it, but something about our brain, like you said, it's just, it doesn't make a distinction between the -hmm. things that we can just buy and then get a result and the other things that we can pay for as an investment to get our to get us in the arena to then do the work you know you you pay a gym membership you don't expect somebody to lift the weights for you or maybe you do maybe maybe that's still in people's brains is i paid my 45 bucks a month how come i don't have rippling biceps yet that's right that's right i don't know I don't know, man. Uh, but but I also know, uh, you know, I'm I'm not. I want to be clear. I'm not making fun of anybody out there. I was just bringing humor to a very logical uh, dilemma that I think yeah. exists in this in this domain. And to own that, I've done it. Right. Right. Totally. Like, that's how I got the story. I was super pissed. <laughs> and then got my little butt smacked. Of like, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So so guys, listening, we're, we've been there too. Right. My first business venture started with a $10,000 investment into a program that was going to help me generate clients with an online platform. They had their whole funnel and formula. I'd never done this stuff before. And I was going in on it with two of my buddies and we dropped the 10 G's. It was a lot of money for all of us to put in at that time. And we were like, where is the result? Like, I need to start making that money back yesterday. Like, when is this going to happen? And it was the same thing that we're illuminating here. It just wasn't happening because we hadn't done everything they said that we needed to do. So anyway, instead of beating that dead horse, let's shift gears a little bit into this this idea of an uncivilized man. Sure. Because this is your whole message right now, or at least a big foundation of it. So first, what is an uncivilized man? Mm. It is a guy who is blending both the primal and the divine masculine, mm-hmm. right? So I looked at the the two, what I thought were the modern paradigms of masculinity, Jetty, which were the 1950s Marlboro man, right? The guy we grew up with, like the old, no emotions, loner, out there, died of, of probably like fucking lung cancer and 
emotions trap, like addiction, a guy who was as against and even opposed to any aspect of the feminine side within himself, Mm -hmm. right? A hundred percent hyper shadow masculine. Mm -hmm. And then there was the other paradigm, which I see and saw very recently up until recently, you still, still do the sensitive new age guy, Mm -hmm. which was the pendulum swing against the 1950s Marlboro man. Mm -hmm. This was the nice guy. This is the guy who actually is afraid of and puts down any masculine in him and is over-feminized. He's the guy that can't lead, that won't lead, that is looking to women for validation. Mm. He's the guy that feels like anything that he's doing that is in the masculine realm should be, is bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like so the guy, so, and even if I, if masculine and feminine is catching people or tripping people up, let's say the 1950s guy is all primal, right? And the, the sensitive new age guy is all divine. Mm-hmm. What if we took both? What if I took the best of both worlds and brought them so there is someone who is celebrating what's amazing about traditional masculinity? Mm-hmm. You said it, protection, provision, leadership, right? Unapologetically being grounded, being, being logical, being stoic, mm-hmm. having a way of looking at the world that is very pure. Mm-hmm. And we added in consciousness. We added in emotional intelligence. We added in a complete relationship with his heart. Mm. Honor and acceptance of both the masculine and feminine parts of himself. One not being better than the other, but being grounded and fluid and being able to go back and forth between the two. Mm. And I came up with the term because when I looked at the, quote, civilized world, what I saw was the statistics which was men leading basically like every fucking negative category of health of, of, of everything. Like if it didn't have breasts or ovaries involved, like we led the negative statistics, prison, mm-hmm. violence, sexual assault, addiction, homelessness, illness, you go down the line and it was us. Mm-hmm. And sure, there were guys doing great things in the world. But we, were, we were also the spearheads of so much of what was challenged about the world. So I went, okay, that's not really something I want to buy into. But if there's a machine that's just spitting guys out into that left and right, because they're plugging into the social dogma, or they're plugging into one of those two paradigms, then in order for me to live a different life, and in order for me to guide men to lead a different life, it's not going to be the civilized track. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you can't have two kids, a white picket fence, a nine to five job. That's, that's not it. It's what's going on inside of that guy. Like, is that what he's actually choosing every day? Or is it just, I don't know. This is where I thought I would, I don't know. I don't know why I eat this way. I just, this is, this is how guys eat. I don't know why I work too much. Guys work, I don't know why I drink too much. I don't know why I can't have an open, intimate conversation with my wife. I don't know why I'm cheating on her. I don't know why I'm afraid of other men. Like I wanted to take all of those statistics and flip them. Mm. So I said, okay, in order to do that, we have to live in an uncivilized manner. Mm. Call back in the primal. We saw it at Sacred Sons, guys wrestling with each other, guys tapping into what is primal about their lives. When I, when I teach men's workshops, the same thing. Everybody's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Everybody's working out, right? I'm working next year to get guys out in the woods, mm-hmm. like actually get back to being in the wilderness, mm-hmm. get back to the conversation and the relationship with the land, mm-hmm. right? If we, and this is a bit of a tangent, but if men are, if we're, you know, what's killing most of us, Jetty, is isolation. Mm-hmm. So are we, not only are we isolated from each other and isolated from other humans, but we are truly isolated from any relationship with the earth, with the elements, with the sky, with the ocean, with the water. And I'm not trying to get 
to hippie on people. But if there's an actual conversation that happens when a man walks in the woods by himself, and therefore he doesn't walk in the woods by himself, he's missing that conversation. Mm. And if that conversation is nourishing, then he's missing that nourishment. So that was the primal end. The consciousness end, we got to give a fuck, Mm. right? We got to give a fuck. We have to be okay with emotions. It's okay to cry. Like it's actually humanly necessary. It doesn't mean we have to do it eight hours a day. But we have to do it authentically when bad things happen or when challenging things happen or when frustrating things happen. We have to have more emotion than anger and horny, Mm -hmm. right? We have to be able to express that. We have to be able to create intimate relationships with vast majority of us, not all of us, with women. Mm. And if that's not your flavor, then with your partner. And the the glue of intimacy is emotion. Mm. And we have to be able to look at the world and say, hmm, something else is going on here besides my life. There's kind of a big picture. Let me just try to acknowledge and tap into that and perhaps create a relationship with something bigger than myself, even if you're an atheist, even if that's with the idea of service. Mm. Yeah. So that's, and there's a lot to this, but that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, man. There's, there's a lot to unpack in there. And, but it brings me all the way back full circle to a lot of the stuff that we said in the beginning of this conversation was about relationships and identifying what's conscious and which un- what's unconscious. I-, I do a lot of work with guys out in the wilderness. And one of the first things I say about the elements is you are in a relationship with the elements, whether you like it or not. The fact that you're vertical, that you're exchanging gases with the trees right now means you're in relationship with things. You may just not be aware of it. Yeah. You cook your food on a stove, don't you? That's fire. Yep. You put water in your body so that you don't shrivel up and die. That's water. Right. You're standing on the earth. The earth is growing the food that you're eating, nourishing the animals that you're eating. The air is moving in and out of your body. So you're having a relationship with these things. It's whether or not you're mindful of it. And if you're not mindful of it, then you're definitely not in any position to direct that relationship, to deepen that relationship. Deepen, and that's such the word. And yeah. that, so, that, so that speaks exactly into what you were saying about having so much isolation. We, we create isolation a lot of times unconsciously right. because of everywhere else our attention is going. But 100%. attention to me, that's, that's the golden resource when it comes to all of this as well. If I want to have a better relationship with my wife, it requires attention. It, does, it doesn't just happen, right? That's like the credit card debt thing you said, right? If you want to have a better relationship with your money and not be in debt, put some attention on it put some time and energy into figuring out a plan. I think that's that's where a lot of times we, because there's so many things to pay attention to, man. Yeah. If I just had to figure out how to eat and put a shelter over my family, period, right. then I'd have enough energy and attention for that. And so I think this goes back to that 90-10 conversation I was saying before about mammals and animals mm-hmm. is that it's just, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot that we got to pay attention to. And you can be the master of your attention, but it's got to be choiceful. I remember you doing talking about the relationship of the elements in San Diego. Where where have you where did you pull that from or where in your background cuz I think it's so important to hear it and I remember when I did hear it being like, "Oh, fuck, yeah. That's so beautiful and so missing." Mm. Where did you pull it from and why do you think it's such an absence in guys' lives cuz when I take guys in the woods, they're like, "Oh, oh, I forgot." Mm-hmm. Even I remember pitching a workshop I was in New York City. I was like, hey, so it's going to be like a week out in the wilderness. And that, like at that point, I had three guys be like, where do I, where do I sign up? Uh-huh. Like, no, 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 I haven't, I haven't, t- like, I don't care. Just like a week, uh, I'll, I'll come. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where, where did you get that the elemental piece from and why do you think it's missing? I sought it out. It also found me. I, I grew up with a Roman Catholic Christian background and 
there's no conversation of the elements in that type of religious practice. And I always found myself more oriented towards the natural world. And I had that first experience going on my first camping overnight with a buddy of mine in college where I had that, oh my God, what have I been missing inside of my room with my LED lights and my, you know, <laughs> computer screens, et cetera. And pictures and, of nature. Right, yeah. right, right. And, and then just being in the inquiry of, well, where, how can I deepen this relationship? Mm. So it's, it's really been over a decade of my life where I've been leaning into teacher, looking for teachers and mentors who will teach me more about the earth, about the air, about fire and water. And a lot of it has come in my experiences with Native American and, and indigenous elders and teachers, because the, the elements is like the ABCs right. for that type of spirituality. It's like, yeah, the earth, that's where all things start. Without the sun, psh, None of this is happening. I don't care. I don't care which religious prophet figure you were in history. If you didn't have the sun, ain't nothing happening here. So why is it missing? Or water, right? I mean, come on. The first medicine of the people, they say, is water. So for me, why is it missing? Yeah. I think it has more to do with just being out of practice of it. You know, we haven't been in the practice. Even, even to say, what's your relationship with the elements? Some people are like, what, what is an element? Like a Honda element? What, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Sometimes even that word, and, and it, it's laughable. I, I forget. I forget that a lot of people don't have that reference. So it's it's reintroducing those ABCs and mm. saying, hey, come out come out for this three-day weekend where we're going to go into the wilderness and let's just talk about these things. Yeah. What is your relationship with water? What does water make you feel? When you look at a fire, what, what, what illuminates in you? And I, mm. my favorite thing is getting around a fire with guys because there's that ineffable, very visceral feeling of, wow, I, I needed this. And I feel like I've done this for a long time. It feels really familiar to sit around a fire with men. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And every man has that experience. Yeah. So over and over. there's something in it. There's something yeah. in there. Yeah. I mean, I did a month long wilderness survival program with boss in 2016, mm. Boulder Outdoor Survival School. And the very first night, so it's imagine a month in the woods with a knife, a water bottle, a first aid kit and a blanket. Mm -hmm. That's about it. And maybe a poncho. Mm -hmm. And the very first night they walk us out into the woods in Utah. We walk for about an hour and stop. And the instructors say, 12 of us and three instructors, and they say, we're not teaching you anything new. <laughs> we're actually reintroducing you back to how most people lived up until about a hundred years ago. Mm. So if we look at human evolution, we have all that time, you know, thousands and thousands, if not millions of years. And then in the last hundred, mm -hmm. 150, it shifted. So you're going to immediately feel, give yourselves three days to freak out and like wonder where your cell phone is and <laughs> you know, like what's happening on social media and then see what happens with your body. Yeah. And it was wild. Mm. How, how one, how awful those first three days were. Mm. And then two, when it did shift to go, oh shit, I feel far more comfortable here than I ever have in, in the civilized, I mean, I'll throw the word out, in the civilized world. Mm. And I came out of that experience and I remember the first day back, I drove 12 hours back to New Mexico and then the next day went to Whole Foods <laughs> and just walked around and thought like, what are we doing? <laughs> what the fuck are all these people doing? Uh, like you guys don't get it. It's, it's, you're missing the whole point of we should be out there as opposed to creating these beautiful scenes in here and trying to isolate it. We've got this whole thing backwards. Mm. 
So yeah, I, I think it's so important. I interviewed Michael Gay the mm-hmm. other night and asked him about his relationship with hunting and his relationship with tracking and just how he spoke about having a relationship to the land. I had about 15 guys on that call and afterwards the messages that were pouring in, like I don't I know what he was talking about, but I, I felt it. I don't usually feel things when people are being interviewed. But guys are like having visceral somatic experiences just from hearing him talk about, you know, walking in the woods. So I think it's a huge missing piece, man. Yeah. I think it's also stripped us of a lot of our problem solving abilities, you know, being out in the wilderness with just simple, simple resources and Mm -hmm. figuring out how am I going to get water today? Where is my next meal going to come from? It looks like it's the temperatures dropping 10 degrees tonight. How am I going to keep myself a little bit more warm without Mm -hmm. knowing how to do it? And Mm -hmm. We've gotten so good at solving a lot of the survival problems that we have as humans, you know, food, shelter, water, that we've eliminated that part of of initiation, really, of a rite of passage uh, for a man to be able to problem solve well enough to take care of himself and other people. Right. So, like you said, actually, you know, I I remember driving cross country in my 20s with a map, (laughs) like an actual, you know, like pulling over, opening the map, using my finger to, okay, I have to go on the, to go from the 90 to the 83. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Now I will literally, I got in my car in Denver five days ago with no idea how to get to Vancouver Mm -hmm. and just like, hey, Siri, take me to Vancouver. You know, oh, Siri just popped on. Uh, <laughs> being told what to do for five straight days, like take a left. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how many people now, if you threw a map in front of them, even yeah. just because in the last 10 years, they haven't had to use one. And that's not a bait. That's not fire, shelter, water. Mm-mm. But shit, that's a really important skill. For sure. I even see that is is going back to that metaphor of leadership, right? Is, is mm-hmm. leading or being led. You know, when you ask Siri to take you to Vancouver, you're not leading. <laughs> and that's okay. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's not a skill that's going to be necessary in our lifetime. But what are the things that are right. going to connect us back to, to what we need? And if we blow this back up to the 30,000 foot perspective, mm-hmm. like you said, that, that, that heart centered, the divine part that actually cares, that actually gives a fuck. Mm-hmm. What are the skills that we're going to need to make the impact we're capable of on this planet more than just surviving. Because if there is a reason why we do things differently than the rest of the mammal family, I believe it's because we're we're here to do something a little different. Right. We've, we've evolved into that capacity, whether we've created problems, now we have to figure out how to solve them or whatever you believe, we have the ability to do so. And so to me, it's like, well, I've got a hammer and here's a nail. So I should probably start hammering on this nail, <laughs> right? And yet I still think for a lot of uh, men, especially having the question answered, what would happen if I lost power for a week? Mm-hmm. What would happen if God forbid you've lived in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. right? You got fires, you got mudslides. I remember people there being like, well, we're not going to have power or food for 10 days. I was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, well, we saw this coming and stocked up, but I think having the ability, like every guy should know how to make fire from scratch. Mm-hmm. Every guy should know how to locate water. Every guy should know how to, if they need to kill skin, clean and, and process game, mm-hmm. because that just kind of, and know how to defend themselves. Right. I, I tell guys in self-defense courses and I'm taught hundreds of them all over the world. You may never need to know this, but having it will change how you walk in the world every single day. It'll change how you have conversations. It'll change how you walk into doors. It'll change what you look for. And you'll just have a knowing that then you can get to consciousness. Like you can't, if I'm starving, I'm not really worried about my highest level of evolution. (laughs) I'm worried about getting food. Right. So I think when we answer those questions and go, hey guys, you are comfortable on the land. Mm -hmm. You know how to build a fire. You know how to build a shelter. 
You want to kill something. Okay, cool. Now you're free to actually become enlightened. Hmm. So work on that. But know that if you skip right to the enlightenment, we kind of talked about this in the beginning. If you bypass the humanity, there's going to be this gnawing little piece of you that knows you're out of integrity. Mm. Like, man, I can meditate for 20 hours straight, but if I lose power, I'm dead in three days. Mm-hmm. That's not a integrated human experience. Right. Right. And that, that makes me think of my own martial arts training, where if in, in the very beginning, the most important thing is to get the fundamentals down, to get the mm-hmm. foundation down. And you see everybody doing the flips and the roundhouse kicks and the, all the impressive stuff. And you're like, I want to do that. It's like, yeah. well, wait a second. If you try to jump to that too quickly and you've got some bad habits, it's a lot harder to unlearn bad habits than it is to build a strong foundation. So it's, yeah, man, so much, so much great stuff. I know you and I, we could go on for hours, man. And I know that (laughs) someday maybe we will, we'll have the luxury of that time. (laughs) But for now, man, I'm just so grateful for everything that you shared today. Thank you for having me on. It's it's a great dialogue we have back and forth here. And before I, before I cut you loose and let you tell everybody where they can find more about you and and buy a copy of your book and and the whole nine yards, let me ask you a couple of lightning questions. You ready for it? it? Yeah. So instant gut response. What is one thing that you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? Mm, That pain is fuel. Mm, Pain is fuel. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Being grounded. Mm. Just being a mountain in the midst of a storm, knowing how to, knowing how to breathe. That's Mm. what I'll say. Knowing how to breathe in this, in the face of chaos. I had a guy in my twenties walk into the store I was working at and say, literally, I think he was like Jesus because he walked in and said, do you know there's no such thing as bad situations in life? There's only bad breathing. And then he like bought a, bought a power bar and left. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> just blew my mind and walked out the door. Thank you, Thank you whoever you are. Wherever you are. Yeah. That's great, man. I breathing. love it. Awesome. Well, and, and then where can everybody who's not already following you and the amazing things you do? First of all, everybody, you got to follow this guy because you got yeah. such an, an amazing message and the way that you bring these. I see you as like a bridge person because mm-hmm. you do speak so well in both realms and you got so much to offer, man. So where can people find you, follow you, get involved in what you're doing, buy a copy sure. of your book? Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm on Instagram mostly for for social media and that's at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R B-O-E-H-M. If you want to read a little bit deeper into my work, go to manuncivilized.com. And if you want to get a hold of the book, manuncivilized.com forward slash the book. And I want to be the bridge, Jetty. You know, I had someone say the other day that I'm the, I'm the gateway, the gateway drug into men's work. And I was like, all right, perfect. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And, yeah. and wrote the book specifically for guys who are just getting into this. You know, for guys that don't have a lot of deep experience with with David Data, with John Wineland, with all of that world, and go, yeah, I need to be talked to still like I'm a man and inspired to live a different way. Dude, I, I love that. I hope you updated the Instagram profile immediately. I, Trevor <laughs> Baum, the gateway drug to men's work. <laughs> That's awesome, brother. Well, listen, man, thank you for taking the time. I hope you enjoy your time up there in beautiful Vancouver. And next time you're in SB, man, you got to hit me up because we got to do, do this. Got to do this thing proper. Thank you, man. All right, much love. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Traver is a powerful dude. I love his straight shooter mentality and being really simple and specific when it comes to men's work and the masculine. That's one of the greatest gifts that we get as men is the ability to lean heavily on our masculine when we need to. And so I think Traver brought a 
a nice dose of that today with some beautiful wisdom to weave into there. A reminder for you guys to sign up for our Rising Man Fire Circles. Also, if you're feeling the call to mark your passage into manhood and clarify your purpose, apply to join us in our Spring Compass Group. All that information is over at risingman.org, including show notes for links and resources relevant to this episode and every other episode. Please subscribe and follow us on the podcast app of your choice. Wherever you guys are listening to The Rising Man, make sure you hit that subscribe, like, follow button, drop some hearts, drop some five stars if you think we deserve it. Tell us what you think of The Rising Man because your feedback is what allows us to keep shaping what we're doing and making it better and better every time. Check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel for The Rising Man. All that information is up on the website so you can go check it out over there. Big shout outs to my Rising Man Power Squad, Sean Offenbach, Rowan Tyne, Julian Subic, and Mark Rose heading into 2020 feeling strong, fellas. Rising Man, we're going to do this. Big year, big year, big year, everybody. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.